Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 342. Well, it's Friday, so I'm going to depart from what I have been doing all week with the podcast related to Abraham and to the patriarchal period. And I want to talk about one of the great women of the Bible. Her name was Sarai. We know her as Sarah because God changed her name. And the name means princess. And often when we look at Sarah, we wonder why God blessed her, why God blessed Abraham so, because they obviously were sinful. But then all we have to do is remember who we are, and we understand that much of what God does in our lives, much to our regret, He does in spite of us, not because of us. And when we read about Abraham and Sarah and their relationship, it wasn't always good. And that's true of any man of God and any woman of God. Life at its best is not always good. And when we read about Sarah and Rachel and Rebecca, we read about women who had feet of clay, They were broken vessels. Many times in that culture of the Old Testament, the women are looked upon as sometimes manipulative, just like the men. In the New Testament, they're not even hardly mentioned. For instance, Peter had a wife, we know, because he had a mother-in-law. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law while he was living at Capernaum. They were all married, according to the Apostle Paul, when he said, I have the right, just like any other of the apostles, all of the other apostles have the freedom to lead about a wife. That is definite implication that they had wives, but Paul did not. God had given him the gift of celibacy, and thank God that he did, that he was not concerned about a wife or children. But what I want to say to you is the wife is the counterpart part and is the great missing element in so many ministries. And I am grateful to God for my wife, and we don't always get along with one another. We don't always see eye to eye, just like any other couple. But God, in His great mercy and grace, has allowed us to love one another in spite of each other, to forgive one another, and both of us have harmed and hurt each other. And this is the way it is in every relationship. Every argument has two sides. Everyone doesn't have to be right all the time. This was the case also of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham listened to his wife sometimes when he shouldn't have. He didn't listen to her when he should have. And all of these different things run through our minds as we read the stories. But I want to talk about Sarah today because it's very important. When we read through these patriarchal years, we need to understand the very important role of the woman. And as we do, I want to call attention really to Sarah's death. Because in her death, I believe we find out something about her life. And God gives us insight, and that's hard to find it in the English Bible. And I'm going to read you about her death in chapter 23. The scripture says in verse 1, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. 
That's interesting that even in our English versions, that God recaps in those words, that phrase at the end, the life of Sarah. These were the years of the life of Sarah when he just said that she had lived 127 years. And then he adds, these were the years of the life of Sarah. Now, that's extraordinary. That's not ordinary. But when you read it in the Hebrew text, it's even more extraordinary. Here's what it says literally in the Hebrew text. Now, see, the English says, Sarah lived 127 years. It's a very good translation, but it's not a literal translation. And none of the versions, modern versions, translated as such. But here's what it says in the Hebrew Sarah was a hundred years and twenty years and seven years. This was the life of Sarah. Now, this is an amazing statement. God doesn't just say she's 127 years old, nor does he say this about Abraham in chapter 25. When you read about Abraham's death, the scripture doesn't say that he was just 175 years old. In our English, it says in verse 7, this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, 175 years. But that is actually not what it says, because in a more literal translation, it says, and these are the days of the years of the life of Abraham, which he lived. A hundred years and 70 years and five years. Now, as you write that out, it looks odd. But why is God breaking this down? Because the scripture goes on to say that Abraham breathed his last and he died in a good old age. Now, it's interesting that the word there in a good old age is the word Seba. That's the same radicals as Saba, which is the word for grandfather. He died in a good old age, Tova, that is a good old age, and he was contented. Now, this word is the word that means to be in its context to be overflowing with favor. He was contented. The word is surfeit. He was exceedingly favored. And he was gathered to his fathers. Now, that phrase, gathered to his fathers, is for another podcast. But what I want you to understand is that their years are broken down. Sarah's was broken down in that it was 100 years, and then it was 20 years, and then it was 7 years. You say, well, what's so special about that? Well, this is the only woman I can find in the Bible that her age is listed. That's right. Could this be where we get the idea that women don't want to tell their age? Because as far as I can find in the Bible, and by the way, write in at questions at TonyCrisp.org and tell me if you find a place where a woman's age is mentioned in her epitaph of her death. Sarah's the only one I can find. Now, why was that? Why does God mention Abraham's the way that he does? That he was 100, then 70, and then five years, and that he breathed his last, and he was exceedingly, abundantly satisfied. He was overflowing at the end. Of, now, think about this. Seven times God promised Abraham a land and a place, yet when his wife died, he had to go as a stranger, as someone who didn't have anything, and he had to go buy a plot from the people whose land he was living in as a stranger. 
But yet the Bible says that he died overly satisfied. Abraham did not get to see the promises of God in uh, real time come to pass. And even Isaac, he did not see Isaac becoming a great nation. He didn't see all of the things that God said. But the Bible in the book of Hebrews says, by trusting God, he actually saw a city that he had never been to. He experienced that by faith. Now, the scripture doesn't always list out people's ages like this. I, again, Sarah's the only woman I can find that her age is even given. But when you look in the 34th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, it just says Moses was 120 years old. You say, well, what does it say in Hebrew? He was 120 years old. What about Joshua? He was the next great man on the scene. You turn to Joshua 24, and you'll see that he was 110 years old. Well, what does it say in Hebrew? He's 110 years old. It doesn't say that he was 100 years, and then he was 10 years, or he was 100 years, and then he was 20 years. It doesn't break it down. Why is God doing this? I believe with Abraham and Sarah, he's trying to teach us a lesson. Now, I may be reading too much into this, but I can tell you, Abraham, like all of us, go through seasons of life if we live to be older. And for the first hundred years, Abraham had a life that was different than his last 70 and 5. There's no doubt that Sarah, her life was broken down in increments as well. And so are ours. I'm 65 years old, be 66, God willing, very soon. And I'm looking forward to it because, you see, I am in a different season of my life than when I was 50. I'm in a different season of my life than I was 30 and 35. I'm in a different season of my life than when God called me to preach and saved me at age 19. I'm at a different stage of my life than I was at age seven when God began to break my heart because of what was happening in my family. And so when my life is broken down, I don't know how God's going to break it down in seasons, but I can begin to break it down already, and I'm just a man. You see, we do go through seasons of life. And I want to say to you that God is recording all of those seasons. God has a plan for your life and for mine. And it's very important that we understand that and we understand why we're here. Now, I'm not a big fan of Friedrich Nietzsche or Nietzsche, as some would say. He was a German philosopher that died in 1900. Some, his life was lived from the mid-1800s on. He died in his mid-50s. But Nietzsche wrote several books. One was The Twilight of the Idols. And in that, he made an important statement. Now, again, I don't agree with most of what Nietzsche said, but I do agree with this statement. And uh, I saw it quoted by Baron Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who left this world last November 2020, almost a year ago. And what a great thinker, what a great theologian, what a great rabbi that he was, and blessed be his memory. But he quoted Nietzsche, and he said, and he's the one that really pointed me to this twilight of the idols. And he said about this, he who has a why in life can bear almost any how. Let me say that again. Nietzsche said, he who has a why in life can bear almost any, and then the word how. In other words, if you and I know why we're here, what God put us here for, why our purpose, and what is our purpose, if we can know that, it doesn't even matter how God brings about the end of that. Because if we know why we're here, how God gets us to the end, 
is really in his hands. Yes, we make choices that will affect that, but God is sovereign. This is how people got through the Holocaust in many cases. This is how many of us have gone on when we wanted to quit. When I was in San Diego, California, the first few months that I was there, I didn't know exactly how everything was going to go. Nothing was going right. And I measured my success by how many times that I resigned from Sunday to Wednesday. But I'm telling you, in every situation, God brings us through because he promised he would. The reason we continue to go is because we believe what the book of Romans says in chapter 8. We believe that God has a great plan and that God takes all things and works those things together for good. Not that all things are good, but God takes all things and works them for our good and his glory. Why? Because he's got a purpose, and that is to conform us to the image of Jesus. So ever how he does that, that's okay. And it has to be okay with us because we can't control it many times anyway. Again, sometimes we make choices that will affect that, but God has begun a good work in us and he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Sarah lived a life of up and downs. They moved ever so often. It seemed like they never settled in one place. Abraham was a stranger in a land that was going to be his and his ancestry and his lineage is now open for all to see. But then it was all by trust, by trusting God. And he trusted that God would have control of everything, even the binding of Isaac. The book of Hebrews says, gives us insight into his life that he believed indeed that if he was following God and he had to take the life of his son, that God would raise him from the dead. Now, you say, well, how do you know that? Because God said so. And God knows it all from the beginning to the end, the end from the beginning. And I'm saying to you that on this Friday, as you listen to this and you come to another end of the week, know that God is in control. And he has a plan for your life. And I believe that we need to listen to the words of Frederick Nietzsche, not on everything, but on this. And what are those words? He who has a why in life, that is, if we know why we're here and what God has called us to do, we can bear almost any how God accomplishes the why in our life. And so I want to encourage you, look at Sarah's life. Look at Abraham's life. God separated out the years and the seasons. Now, you might have just had a bad experience. It's not the whole book. It's not your life story. It's just a paragraph. It's just a sentence. It may be a whole chapter, but I've got good news for you. As long as you're breathing, You can close this chapter if it's bad, and God will give you a brand new beginning, and you can write a complete chapter in your life. So if you failed, if you've messed up, if you have fallen on your face and you've sinned against God, or you've made bad choices, or if you have just messed up and made some horrible misjudgments, listen to me. It's not your life story. It's just part of it. Turn the chapter. Close the chapter. Turn the page and allow God to give you a brand new beginning. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.